Welcome to Church Media HQ. My name is Luke Clayton, and I want to thank you for joining us for today's episode. Now, before we get started, please take a moment to subscribe wherever you're watching or listening. We're available on just about every podcast platform, as well as on YouTube and on Facebook. And if you are watching on YouTube or Facebook, remember to like this video because that helps it get seen by more church leaders like you. Now, today's guest is Jason Stroll. Jason is the founder of Butter. Butter is a video company that helps churches and other organizations with their video needs, specifically in the area of motion graphics and animation. I had a really insightful conversation with Jason. He's got a lot of experience in the field of media. Be sure to connect with him at his website, that's butterygoodness.co, butterygoodness.co, or you can check the show notes to see his website and other ways to connect with him. Well, let's get to our conversation with Jason Stroll. And one other thing that they kind of progress to as you're moving on to, um, you know, having a kind of completed kind of story branded type of a, a video is having being being the being the guide for them, allowing them to be the cool. hero. So kind of coming alongside yes. them and providing them with whatever it is that they need. So as you kind of have that framework from beginning to the end, you'll be kind of coming in there and saying, you know. And because of this problem and, and this and that, now here's how we can help. And you kind of come along and support them in, in that endeavor, in that direction um, mm-hmm. for what you, whatever that topic is that you're trying to get them to go towards. And again, and in a way that's like it's helpful and you're assisting them in, in whatever it is that, that – that they're that they're going for and what the, that they're aiming yep. for. Whether you're doing, you know, there's a connection group or whether it's geared towards family or you know teens. You know, you have that that we're coming alongside you type of a direction and in 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 the way that you are um, approaching that topic, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. So uh, that 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 makes please. This is good stuff. Con- continue. Continue. I'm really loving this. Yeah, and then so as well, you have to give them. You have to give them a plan. So it can't just be like, okay, here's there's some kind of generic kind of a thing. You have to develop into a plan for them, like a specific plan. So I know, like, an, a touch point that a lot of churches have is, you know, you know, head to guest services. You know, that's that's always you know, a go to touch point. But at guest services, you got to have a touch point for them in at the point of guest services, like what we're going to do and how we're going to do that. And every single place that they go ends up having a touch point. Um, even like within packages, like if you, you've done this and you'll sell stuff, but sometimes maybe you'll sell something on a website uh, yourself and you'll, you'll say, uh, you know, you know, you have touch points on your website. Hey, subscribe to my email to get this free thing. Right. And, mm-hmm. and then from there you get an email and then within the email you have touch points to try and always keep them engaged. And even maybe when they download a package within the folder, it says, Hey, you know, 10% off this. And it's like, Oh, it brings them back to the, back to the website. So you're, you're having this intentional call to action plan for them so they don't get lost. It's not like you're just telling them about something, but it's rather you're giving them a, like, okay, what now, what can I do now? Give them a, mm. a specific plan of, of what you're doing and what you're heading for and what the goal is and how you can get there. 
there. So um, yes. whether that's a phone number, whether that's signing up, whether that's a website link that's big enough for them to see and, and easy enough for them to get to, you know, don't just have like one option, but maybe have multiple options, especially like forgiving or something like that. Don't just have, you know, oh, give online. Well, what if they're older and they want to fill out the thing? It's like, oh, we got rid of all our paper. We don't want to do paperless. Well, the old people are going to be like, what in the world? So it's like having also a call to action that's maybe available for multiple different people. Don't exclude people groups, but make sure that you're understanding everyone has an option to have an, an avenue to you know, fulfill this thing that we're, we're directing you to through this video, through this advertisement or, or, or storytelling kind of a process. So having a, having a relatable call to action as well um, or an easy call to action for whatever that topic is is, is really necessary to building um, a an a useful story because at the end of the day, if you're telling some story for no purpose, then like why are you telling it? There typically is a call to action that you're wanting exactly. them to do. Yeah, yeah. Having that call to action is, I think that can be uh, at least when it comes to concluding some type of video or or really any type of marketing piece in general. That's something that's so often missed. Is okay. Well, what do I do? You know, you for example, uh, you know, going back to your video about the uh, the stickers there. You know, uh, I'm sure at the end of the video it said something about like get your sticker today. Go to guest services to pick up your sticker. Like you had that call to action. Otherwise, you would have created all these good feelings, this relatable character, really told an awesome story, and people might have appreciated it. They might have gotten a laugh out of it, but it got them to do nothing. And the call to action is so important. And then I will say this, you know, you're talking about these different, uh, the, the steps, the plan that you have to give your, uh, you know, you want to give your, your hero, you want to give them a plan. Like I'm the guide and here's your plan, essentially your path to victory, uh, to get the desired outcome you're looking for. Uh, I will say this a lot of times when I see people, whether they're embracing this, realizing they're embracing this framework or not, uh, one of the biggest kind of, uh, I guess issues with this can be making the plan too complicated, uh, and so I've seen, uh, and I see this, I've seen this happen from time to time in churches, um, is, you know, for example, their steps to getting involved at church are really complex. You know, there's like seven or eight different steps, you know, it's like, uh, get baptized. Now go to the membership class. Now, uh, go to discipleship. Now, uh, you know, now start serving and volunteering and, and, and it get, just gets really complex and all everything I just mentioned is part of pretty much every church out there. And it's not that you are saying, well, we can't, we can't leave out any of those steps. No, no, no. It's how you frame it. It's how you show it to people. If you can, for example, consolidate, like, you know, maybe instead of saying, oh, like go to the, go to the new members class and then go to, uh, the discipleship. Well, maybe just say, Hey, uh, get involved with, you know, our programs for growth or something like that. Okay. Just generalize it. And then they'll learn, oh, okay, here's what that means. And I I think you already started to talk about this, Jason. That's the beauty of when you give people, you say, yeah, here's a plan. It's just three simple steps. Here's three, here's how you get involved. Three ways to connect with us. Uh, three, three, three steps to take whatever on the, on the surface. Okay. That's simple enough, but you make emphasis. That's what that call to action is about. You make emphasis on that, really that, that call to action, which is that first step. And then people start to just kind of take things one step at a time. A lot of times when you give them, uh, too many calls to action or too many steps at once, people are, well, that's a little overwhelming. 
I could never do that. But when you just kind of give it to them in these bite-sized chunks, they realize, oh, yeah, you know what? I can, uh, you know, sign up uh, for a new members class. Sure, I can take that step. I can do that much. Uh, and then from there, okay, now I can enroll in discipleship or sign up for baptism or start to serve, whatever it is. And you also mentioned this, too, about like a guest services or, a, or an information desk type of setup. Uh, it's a great example of often what happens is when you have that central hub, it's great because depending on that person's you know stage of life or, or where they're at, that, you know, now they can be directed to their next step may look different, you know, from somebody else, but they have one common first step. The one common first step, hey, connect with us here at the guest services, at information desk, whatever. And then once you get there and we learn and get an idea of where where you're at, now we'll tell you where to go next. Uh, so a lot of good stuff there about, you know, giving them a plan. Love that. Love that. Yeah, and that's I, 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 there's a whole lot more aspects to the framework, and if people want to dive in deeper for it, they can you know they can look into it more um, in detail uh, of the you know the story brand uh, framework, and there's plenty of stuff of that online. Also on the book, you can check it out. I was just kind of doing a brief overview on on some of the main points that have helped me as I'm developing um, kind of a story branded kind of a mindset towards when I'm. Yeah. Uh, targeting certain audiences, my church, church members, small groups, you know, businesses and people that we're targeting within the business and things like that. So it, it it's definitely a very helpful framework that I would definitely try and implement in your videos if you want to try and be very effective and pinpointed and effective in how you are communicating to your audiences. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the, and, and StoryBrand does have a really good, if you want to learn more about this, I highly recommend it. I mean, if you want to get there, I think there's like seven parts to their full framework. Um, yes, and are. obviously they wrote, they literally did write a book on it. Uh, so I would highly recommend if you want to dive more into this, uh, keep it. Cause for me, what it's, what, what I found it helpful is, is I, I actually have benefited on two levels. First of all, on the marketing side of just saying, Hey, I can incorporate these story elements into marketing. Uh, but then also I do enjoy, uh, storytelling from a, you know, kind of a writing directing standpoint of films and such. And so just to say, Oh yeah, those are good elements of, of writing and creating a good story. Uh, and so, you know, if you're a communicator of any kind, uh, I would, you're going to highly benefit from learning more about this story brand concept. Yeah. And I was thinking as well, like as you're, as you're doing story and, you kind of have that good framework locked in where you have things, the main core of it that matters, then you can give attention to the details and the creative aspect of it. And one thing that I, I do a lot of is, is, you know, within cinematography is, you know, lighting and setting the mood of a scene and, and developing that uh, aspect of giving that, that, that correct mood, to make the audience feel the way that you want to about whatever you know concept it is that you are depicting, right? So I think it would be cool to talk a little bit about developing, um, just kind of setting the right mood for your shot and developing the right mood for your um, whatever it is, commercial, for the church video, for an Easter you know uh, presentation, something like that. I, I would be cool to talk a little bit in regards to that, so if, that, I, if that's okay. <laughs> Oh, no, absolutely. Actually, when I saw that you had uh, added this to kind of our notes for uh, this conversation, I was really excited because uh, I've seen, again, in seeing your work, your lighting is something you seem to do pretty well. Uh, and so, yeah, I was I was looking forward to talking about 
talking about this. So yeah, man, I, and this is something that I might have a little bit of input on, but I mean, I'm, you're going to be the expert as we get into this one. So you take it away. Well, I've I've only been you know doing lighting and stuff. I would say I'm 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 just beginning in this myself, so I just take a little bit of that title away of expert. But uh, I've definitely gotten to work with some people who I I look up to. Um, Larry Chapel's very good at what he does in regards to lighting. Um, I I've uh, connect I've seen um, people on YouTube as well that I've watched their their um, channels that I've subscribed to. Um, Wandering DP has an amazing breakdown of different cinematic commercials and uh, different um, films he'll break down, a lot of times mainly commercials. But he, he, he has a framework that he refers to, and it's called backstage lighting. Like if you watch any of his videos, he's like religious about it. And that's kind of like one of what he wanted to address because as a cinematographer, one type of lighting, there's many types, no type is right or wrong. But I find the most appealing to me is backstage lighting. And so what that is, what backstage lighting is, in is when you consider the way a stage would be lit. So imagine like you close your eyes, you know, I'm sitting in the seat, you know, the theater, I'm looking forward and the, the stage is lit. They have the front lights, but then they also have back lights and everything's lit within that context. And so when I light, I like to use the back lights of the stage essentially is the way I would, I would, I would light. So I'd be, I would be using light to wrap around the subject. And what this does, we'll say, why would you use backstage lighting where the back of the lights are on? A lot of your lights coming from the back. The reason why I would use that is because it creates great opportunity for contrast. And in the same way with a good story, it has good contrast between good and evil, right? Um, and and you have this whole joy and stress and there's just this 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 battle. I know I might be getting a little bit conceptual here, but it does play a it does play an impulse in the mind when you're viewing a, a visual that has contrast to it. Having the lights and the darks and the balances really gives a beautiful picture to the eye, even if they don't necessarily know why they think that image looks good. Like you could have any inexperienced person watching any kind of a movie that's done well or lit well, and they would go, oh, that looks good. It's like, well, do you know anything about lighting? Well, no. It's like, well, how do you know that looks good? Well, I, I just do. It just looks nice. <laughs> And that you, when you have a good balance of contrast and give that opportunity, it, it, it creates even just you know the most obvious you know un, uneducated person to be like, man, I really find that attractive. And so, let me just break down real quick, kind of like the way I would go about backlighting a scene. Um, so essentially, when you walk into a frame, what you want to start with is when you walk into a room, you want to think, where is my light coming from? That's like the first question. And one thing I think that from just for my style is not where do I want to make the light come from, but more so where is it already coming from? Especially within a church context, you don't necessarily have all the lights and all the equipment. And what you want is to use free light, the sun, right? <laughs> so it's like, what do I have a do I have a window? Where is that window faced? What's what's uh what is, you know, what is around that? What's behind that as a background? So, so when I think uh, once I find like where the light's coming from, I find like a decent light source. Um, I'm thinking also about the mood of the shots. Is happy? Is this sad? Is what, like 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 what's happening specifically about this that that I would want to color it? And so you know you can have it cooler or warmer. That's the kind of the tones. If you've ever had seen the temperature, you can drag it and make it warm, drag it, make it cold. Um, Color grading is another whole thing we won't necessarily have to get into, but you can color grade your shots as well to match the mood 
of your scene later in post. Um, but you're going to want to light your scene. Get most of it in in you know in camera as good as you can before you think. Oh, I'm just going to count on the color grade to really fix everything. Uh, make sure you know your whites are balanced. Everything's set correctly. You're using you know auto white balance. Make sure the colors of your lights are all the same the same color. So, but we'll talk a little bit more about that. But when you think about the direction of the light and backstage lighting, if I were to see a window and I say, okay, I found a window and I want to use that as my lighting. I wouldn't just full front nail them with this window light, have them stand in front. It's going to look like deer in the headlights. What I want to do is create that contrast. And so I would have them, I would have that window be coming from an angle. I would try and like wrap that light around them. Um, one way that I, that I do like to do it is I would have them stand and the light would be lighting them from behind. So from behind them, it would be lighting them and there'd be some light kind of wrapping around their face. But what I would do is have a, a bounce board in front of them, bouncing that same light that's coming from behind, bouncing on top of them. And I would wrap that light kind of around their face here. So it had this nice sharp edge that has that contrasting kind of uh, feature that really makes them stick out. And then I would take that white, and bounce and bring some more of that light in their face so we can see so we can see their face. So it's creating like this light wrap, like you have this nice harsh edge and then you have this kind of like soft bounce on their face. And But I would have the bounce at an angle so that it would kind of light their face here, but it wouldn't necessarily fill their face here. So I could have kind of like a gradient on their face, so a nice smooth gradient, giving it some depth, if that makes sense. So that creates contrast and it allows your eye to go directly towards them. Um, like even if my face here, you see on the edge here, I didn't spend a lot of time lighting this cause it was just an interview. Um, but if I'm lighting a scene or something like that, you know, I'd spend a lot more time on it. But even like, if you're looking at me, I have like even this edge on my shoulder and stuff like that. It makes a hard contrast line. Cause our eye always goes to the brightest point in the scene. So a lot of times, even when you're watching a movie, you can do this and see, okay, where is the brightest point? Just pause the movie at any time and point. Where's the brightest point in the scene? And if it's you know a well-done movie, you're going to see, wow, the brightest point is exactly where I'm supposed to be looking. Not, not only just because the lighting's well, but because the composition and framing is good as well. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. But it's important to make sure that you're you're lighting it with contrast, where there's a, a gradient from dark to light, not just bright white. Now, if you're trying to communicate something that is, you know, I want to communicate this person is, you know, being overwhelmed by the glory of God from the angels, then you're going to want that front lit, you know, shot of their faces and the lights coming. That would be an appropriate storytelling choice for the light to be, you know, so directly in their face. You're not going to say, no, we have to have back kind of backstage framework. We're going to have it, you know, from the side and we're going to have dark on this side. You don't have to stick to it that religiously. It's, it's more so a style. So if you've ever watched like movies and things as well, you'll see they'll frame out their shots. And sometimes I follow like, you know, DPs and they'll, they'll put shots from their film just kind of back to back. And they all look very cohesive. You're like, oh, my soul, they look so good. Like they're all very similar. And the way that that cohesive feel comes about is because they have this framework that they've been following for each for each shot. In the film uh, Still Small Voice that Drew Scheller directed, um, it was one, one thing that we did is we followed the back, the back, uh, backstage lighting framework for every shot that we did. If there was a shot that needed to break from it, absolutely no problem. But we tried to keep that consistency throughout. And if you would to take just shots from each of the 
each of the scenes from the movie and just put them next to each other on a board, you would see, wow, these all feel very similar. This whole film feels cohesive. And the reason why is we use the same technique, same colors, same uh, lighting style, same color grades and things like that to have that cohesive kind of connection. Um, and that, that backstage lighting with those, you always find a lot of like edges and, 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 uh, and, and, and side, that gradient light on their faces. So everything feels cohesive. It doesn't feel like, oh, I just got this random shot here. And then here's another shot. It doesn't fit. You're like, well, it feels like I'm in a different movie. You want to have that, that cohesiveness to tell, uh, tell a consistent mood. And there is a scene where, you know, he was with, uh, his wife, his baby that was graded warm. It was colorful. The sunlight was coming through. We always relate happiness to sunlight. And that, that was one color that we used. But then when he had, he had lost his wife and she had passed away, we had him a scene where he was looking at the piano that she always played. And that scene where the piano was, it was all sunny, daytimey, right? We're setting a mood. We're telling the story. We want the character, we want the audience to feel a certain way. But then when it was, you know, when he had lost his wife, he's looking back to it. Everything was cold. Everything was dramatic. There's only, there's less light and more pointed to one place. And it was very harsh, a lot of darks, a lot of shadows. And we're in very cold tones. That's something that you're considering. Okay, we want to tell it, tell this kind of a mood. So we're not just going to like shoot the sad scene with the same lighting as when it was happy. You really are considering how am I telling this story? How am I, how am I lighting this to communicate that, 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 that mood, that, that happiness? Um, and one thing to consider as well when you're setting a mood is atmosphere. And one thing that we would bring is a haze machine. It's like a fog machine and you can fill the room with an atmosphere. And if you add atmosphere, atmosphere gives a great depth and mood to a scene, especially when it's like, you know, when it's a sad scene or foggy and you're trying to like maybe focus in on the person and there's a lot of depth that's kind of a lot of that whatever it is in the background, it's there, but it's kind of lost in the depth of it. It lets you kind of focus in on them and it creates a softer kind of a, kind of a, a feel. And it creates a mood as well. So having atmosphere in your scene can sometimes be appropriate according to what you're trying to depict within the scene. Also, atmosphere could be something that could be a style. It could just be not necessarily I'm <clears throat> directly trying to make a mood with this, but rather I just want to feel in this, uh, just a vibe within this room. Just to, it, I just want it to feel that way. I just want to have this this vibe. You'll see atmospheres used a lot of times within uh, Hollywood and filmmaking atmosphere just adds a depth um, and a mood to the scene that sometimes feels appropriate. Um, so it's just something to consider when you're when you're when you're filming. So sometimes you can buy it in cans, or you can have one of those machines. Uh, you can have cans as a backup if your machine ever breaks. Sometimes it overheats, and you're on a short time limit. To have some of those cans is a good backup uh, when you're trying to uh, do some filming. So atmosphere is another thing to consider when you are setting the mood for a film. One other thing I want to address in setting the mood for a film as well is framing and framing is where you you consider the rule of thirds that's what we always are are looking towards when we're when we're um, making a film because that's kind of a customary um, reference point that a lot of you know dps filmmakers use when they're when they are um, uh, making and 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 setting up you know framing and shots and things like that um and and you can look up rule of thirds as well because i can't really with my hands like do it but mainly the most important part of the scene typically finds its importance on the 
trying to say it for you guys, but for me, it would be the uh, right side of the frame. Um, so just if you're looking at a, at a screen, it would be your the right side of the frame, the top kind of right-hand corner a lot of times. And what they'll do is they'll have, if there's a conversation, you have a person on the top right-hand corner, and then the other person who's talking would be on the top left-hand corner. So as you go between conversations, you feel that you feel that conversation switching like you would if you were like looking at someone having a conversation. If you had it on top of each other, it would feel kind of disorientating. Like why is it on top of each other? Maybe a way, like another example to, to tell a story, maybe you wanted to feel feel make make this argumentative type of a feeling. Um again, everything's perspective and like it's not necessarily like right or wrong. It's more like your taste as an artist. But if you wanted to maybe have an argument you could have them in the center of the frame and every time the camera switches is on top. So every time you're watching this video on the screen, there's his eyes and then her eyes and they're, they're having this argument and every time it switches, the eyes are right on top of each other. It would be kind of disorientating. It's just right on top of each other and maybe you could have fast cuts, right? So it's just like doing things like this to try and tell a story and tell the mood and also with the lighting, you're trying to, you're trying to frame this using framing in that specific instance. You're using that framing to derive a feeling. Um, another thing to do if you're maybe just to give an example of framing and using it to tell a mood is maybe you want to depict someone being alone or lonely or you know depressed or something like that. You could pick a side of the frame to hang them tight on. So maybe you'll have a very empty shot. Like if you want to feel alone, so how can I make this feel alone? Maybe remove some of the things from the room. Maybe pick an empty part of the room. Maybe pick an empty environment and then hang them tight right or tight left. I would prefer the left because you typically have a lot of things in the right. That's where the occupied zone would be. So having them in more of the side of the frame that's not used as much for emphasis to kind of put them there in that lonely spot and then having an empty kind of like a, a frame for that might kind of you know help depict that mood. So it, it's just kind of thinking, it's kind of thinking through uh, framing and how, how, how I can use this to depict the mood that I'm that I'm trying to tell specifically. So those are just kind of a couple of examples as you direct specifically visually for the mood. And 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 Luke, you've done this yourself. You've done a couple, actually many uh, VBS shot uh, films, short films um, for for churches. And you've had the opportunity to film a lot of these. And maybe you could talk to some of the points. Maybe I've just created moods inside your film as well. Maybe some experiences that you've had that you could add to this kind of a topic. Well, thanks again for joining us right here at Church Media HQ. We've been talking about Church Media HQ as far as what that means beyond just our podcast and YouTube content. We are providing creative content and resources for churches, things like uh, designs, graphics, videos, and even creative coaching. And a lot of this is free, uh, completely free of charge. If you head over to churchmediahq.com, you're going to learn more about these resources that we provide. And if you want a higher level of service and even more, look into Church Media HQ Premium. Church Media HQ Premium is the most affordable 
affordable, full-service, creative solution for churches. We're going to offer you, again, a collection of graphics and including source files and Photoshop files that you can edit yourself. And if for some reason that graphics collection doesn't have what you're looking for, then we're going to even deliver uh, other graphics uh, based and custom tailored to what uh, your requirements and your specifications of what you need. We also include our video series and other video assets as part of the Church Media HQ Premium membership. And we offer priority coaching, which means you are going to be able to get on more coaching calls and get more help that are dedicated to your church specifically and helping you with your needs there. Again, just head over to churchmediahq.com if you are interested in either the free content or the premium content available through Church Media HQ. Well, until next time, I want to remind you, as always, you know what I'm going to say. In fact, you need to be the one saying it back to me. You know what it's time for. It's time that you try something new. Why? Well, because it is so much better to fail at trying the incredible than it is to succeed at doing just the average. We'll see you next time right here on Church Media HQ.